Pockets Pockets with Dr. Manuela Joano. And we were just talking about the ego, Manuela. Yes, the ego is the enemy. And I was talking about Ryan Holiday's book. So one construct that I found really helpful is that at any point in time, you can be driven by your ego or you can be driven by more of what you'd call your soul. And, um, you know, we all kind of bounce back and forth along that continuum at any given time. You know, there are people that we can think of that are sort of iconic that would demonstrate what it means to be driven truly by your soul. I mean, Nelson Mandela comes to mind, Mother Teresa comes to mind. And then at the other extreme, there are certain people that um, are driven by their ego, right? So it's not too far to look to find people who would demonstrate that type of behavior. If you're driven by your ego, everything you see, everyone you meet, you are immediately sizing them up for how can they feed your ego? It's not like, hi, how are you? It's, uh, hi, what can you do for me? Exactly. Or how can I use you? And, um, I mean, of course, these are extremes, right? Um, At the other end, you've got people driven by their soul that anything they have, any resources they have are only valuable and so much as they can be spread around and be used for the greater good and alleviate other people's suffering. So most of us kind of bounce back and forth and at different times, you know, sometimes you want to be selfish. Sometimes you want to have a great hissy fit and that's okay. And, you know, sometimes you just need to get it out, but don't stay there. Um, what, what, what would you say, how, how would, you're using, are you using the word soul figuratively or literally? Well, how are you going to define a soul? That's a very difficult question mm-hmm. to answer. But when I talk about being led by your soul, I'm talking about an energetic state where you really see other people as being part of you. You know, it's that whole concept of namaste, yeah. right? Yep. You know the God that. within me recognizes the God within you kind of thing. Yeah, the way I look at it is, you know, sort of the energy, spirit, soul of myself sees, honors, mm-hmm. you know, the spirit and soul in you. Right. So it's that ultimate connectedness and being one with nature, with others, with the world. So that's the soul energy I'm talking about. Okay, I'll okay. buy that one. You can buy that one? Yeah. All right. So... The problem is when you become too much driven by your own ego. Egos are fragile, right? Um, It's easy to suffer an ego injury. And I think the more someone is driven by their ego and the more their ego is out front, the more they're susceptible to narcissistic injury. And And we see that. I mean, we see that in people who are injustice collectors, no? Injustice collectors. Have you, have you ever met someone who holds a grudge like no one else? That yeah, that's me. Really? Yeah, I, I tend to, well, not in all cases, but if you've wronged me in what I consider a uh, a um, grievous way, yeah, I don't let that go easily. Hmm. And that only, and I know, it only hurts me often in the end, um, but it's a fault that I carry. Well, you know what they say about That's harboring you anger. Oh, sure, <laughs> you know what they say about harboring anger. It's like you're you're drinking the poison, thinking that the other person's going to die. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there are things that I've gotten better at. Um, this is all without uh, any ketamine, people. Um, <laughs> this is she just drags it out of you, man. Um, yeah, I, I the, 
and, and the bitterness does come up, you know, and um, occasionally guilt if that person passes away without me being able to say what I should have said in the first place, which is probably sorry or let's get oh. through this or something like that. Regret, yes. <laughs> Regrets. I've had a few. <laughs> then again. So anyway, I won't serenade you any further. Oh, it's, it's very cute. Um, so <laughs> oh, great. There's a cute thing again. You didn't see me as a leading man and now I'm cute. Yes. I like that. You're human. So <laughs> getting back to this ego thing, you know, um, ego injury causes people to want to attack back. I mean, it's sort of a natural reflex, right? You know, there's that old adage, it's kind of a cliche that says, hurt people, hurt people. And I, I think that happens. People mm-hmm. who have ego injury, they tend to want to get even, settle the score, it's payback time. And I think we're seeing so much of that right now. And it is all ego driven. If more people were led by their soul and not by their ego, the world would definitely be a different place. Ego says, you are different from me. I don't quite understand you. I must attack you. I'm separate, right? The soul side of people will say, wow, you know, I, I feel for you. We're all in this together. And how can we all pull together? And how can I lighten your load? And, you know, how can I help alleviate your suffering? Right? So. Not unlike what your project trauma support does. Yeah, I, I guess I just my whole life been tuned into people suffering and I just, I feel personally very fortunate and I just, you know, I'm kind of drawn to do whatever we can. I just want to be useful. That's all. That's it. I just want to be useful. I just want to not see people hurt because that bothers me. It's very selfish of me actually. I don't know if it's selfish, but it's, it's must be very scarring to be a physician and see all of that hurt. Well, I, I guess, that's what really prompts me. Like, what about your moral injury? <laughs> you know, this is a very important point. If you have your own purpose, if you have your own mission, if your life has some meaning and you feel like you're being useful, then you can withstand so much mm-hmm. because you don't stay stuck in the suffering. When I see somebody and I know they're really, really hurting, I absolutely feel for them. I, I have a lot of empathy and sympathy we can talk about the difference between those two things if you like. But I just, I don't want to stay there and see them hurt. I just want to jump in and do something. And maybe that's my emergency medicine training. You know, we want to go in and fix things as much as we can. When someone is suicidal and I'm talking to somebody and I can see the pain and I can see that they're losing hope, to me that is as much of an emergency as if they're bleeding to death, having a heart attack, going VSA in front of Like you want to just jump in and do what you can. Yep. But I also have optimism. I think that for me is my, you know, that's what drives me. I can always reach for the optimism because I've seen people get better. Mm-hmm. You ask me if PTSD can be cured. Mm. Again, it depends on how you define PTSD. But if you look at the whole encompassing injury of the human, of the being in front of you, of the soul in front of you, and you can help them find their own way. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that we've got it all figured out and we've got it all sewn up and I can't fix anybody. That's the first thing that I say. Our whole team will say that. We can't fix you, but we can tour you around your inner landscape and maybe point out things that have been there all along that you haven't put enough emphasis on. And give you hope. And give you hope. Yeah. You've probably heard me say what our favorite acronym for hope is. No. What is it? Hold on. Pain ends. Yeah. Which is very hard to convince a person who's suffering through severe depression, believe, I suppose. Um. 
I, I, I think we should probably sum it up there. My dog's back in and about to make a, make a lot of racket. But as you know, I recently got together with three of your, uh, your clients, if you will, uh, after having attended your program at Project Trauma Support for um, um, a, year, a year ago. And uh, all three of them are doing very well. And I'd like to thank you uh, personally because you did save the life of one of the guys. Um, you definitely did help the, one of the guys pull them back from the brink. And uh, we're glad to have him around. And I'm very glad that you do what you do. I think the guys at uh, Project Trauma Support and yourself are just wonderful human beings. And I'm glad to have made your acquaintance. On that note, I'll leave the last word to you. Okay, I'm going to take it back to ketamine. We were talking about ego. And I think one really intriguing, inviting thing about ketamine and the other psychedelics is that they create a dissolution of the ego state. So when you go on this journey with the psychedelic, you see yourself in a totally new orbit, if you will, a new perspective. And suddenly the ego part of you disappears and now you're sort of pure energy, pure being, and you can relate to concepts, you can relate to nature, you can relate to possibilities. You have a mind expansion that puts you just on a totally different orbit, really. It's like a quantum leap into seeing new perspectives. And I think the real opportunity is how can you capture that experience and the new insights and the new perspectives? How can you somehow integrate them into a new way of going forward? It's like to say, how do you make that part of your new playbook that you can always refer to, you know, in your life going forward? If you can do that well, you may only need to do the ketamine once, twice. You don't have to keep going back, you know, week after week, month after month. And I think that's where the true opportunity lies. There's a challenge there, but we're working at trying to figure out how we can achieve that to the best advantage. Just a quick question on that. Where, where would you say, um, as far as testing goes, what phase would you be in? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you familiar with what I'm talking about with mm-hmm. phase zero? And yes. Yeah. Well, I would say we're kind of in the proof of concept phase for what we're doing with the group-based work. And um, we've actually found it very helpful with depression, very helpful with suicidal ideation. We've had some success with people who are trying to avoid substance misuse, abuse. And um, yeah, I'm just, we're in the sort of data gathering phase where we can hopefully be in a position to apply for some funding for a more robust, you know, research project where we can demonstrate the safety as well as the potential advantages of using this as a you know, very innovative, um, exciting new treatment for mental distress. Uh, on, on that point uh, alone about uh, fundraising, would you care to put in a little plug uh, as to where people can uh, fund your, your project drama support? Oh, that's so kind of you. Yeah, our website is up. It's www.projecttraumasupport.com. And if you go to our website, there is a donate button. And I'll tell you, we are so grateful for every cent we get. And as I like to say, we take every cent and we spread it six ways till Sunday. It uh, all goes to helping people and then some. Well, again, uh, thanks for appearing on Rock Spockets there, Doc. Um, and a very heartfelt uh, thanks from uh, for all the work that you do and uh, your team. 
So uh, keep doing that work, and hopefully the funding will come in and you can continue doing what you do best, and that's caring for people. Uh, and on that note, folks, we're going to end Rock is Bacchus. Um, as I've said previously, it's a tough world out there. Help each other out. Don't be a dick, because being a dick isn't going to help anybody out at all. So cheers, guys.